2: I'm John Fuglesang, welcome to Tell Me Everything, the little show at What the Hell O'Clock right here on Channel 127, we are so glad to have you with us, so glad you have survived another week, for the next three hours we're going to be coming at you with all kinds of fun at 866-997-4748. Produced by the heroic Chris Household in South Carolina. Produced by the mighty Thea Harper in Brooklyn. We are thrilled to be with you and a lot of great guests tonight. Uh, we are going to be talking with Adrian Shropshire of Vote Black Pack to talk all about all the rants and fuckery going on in Alabama trying to disenfranchise African American voters. I mean, when when it's so when your state is so racist that Donald Trump's Supreme Court says to be less racist, well, you know. Uh, we are going to be talking with. Natalia Reagan. She is back from Burning Man and here to tell us all about what it was like to have 70,000 people stranded in the desert in their tents due to uh, horrible weather with no functioning portisans for days. We heard a lot of hype about it on the news. Natalia was there. She's going to tell us exactly what it was like. So all that and more. Your phone calls at 866-997-4748. We would love to hear from you. It's a crazy day in New York. Uh, Raining, horrible weather. I was just down in Greenwich Village and I was telling Chris, you never meet people in New York City who listen to Sirius XM because most folks don't have cars. I ran into two people in an hour on the, who stopped me on the sidewalk and on the subway to say very lovely things. Thank you, gentlemen. Also, uh, ran into our friend little Stephen Van Zandt hanging out on the sidewalk because Bruce Springsteen's not feeling well. So the tour is off for a few days. We're trying to get Steven back on the show to talk about what it's been like so far. Guys, it's been a crazy week. It's been a crazy summer. It's been a crazy year. We are going to send you to your weekend as gently and positively as possible because it is getting better all the time. The San Francisco Democrat, the first female Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Emeritus, told some volunteers today that she would seek reelection in 2024, despite the fact that she is 80 three years old. She's been in the House for 36 years, and everyone in California who thought she might be bowing out and was trying to raise funds to run, well, they're going to be stuck in a holding pattern for at least two more years. Here is Representative Pelosi telling reporters, yep, she's going to seek re-election next year. Give a listen.
0: Decided now that uh, in light of the values of San Francisco, which we have always been proud of.
2: So there you go. I want to know what do you guys think. I put this out to everyone listening live, our evil army of the night. You're always welcome to call in, but also to everyone listening on demand on the SiriusXM app, on the John Fugel sang podcast, all of our day walkers who, who listen uh, later on. What do you think of the decision? Because um, it's dividing people in the Democratic Party, much like having an 80-year-old incumbent president seeking re-election is dividing people in the Democratic Party. On the one hand, if people in San Francisco want to keep sending her back as their representative, then her age is none of our business, right? On the other hand, don't you think she should have groomed a successor by now? I mean, I've defended... Uh, many, many times that that uh, if Dianne Feinstein is allowed to serve. Maybe Dianne Feinstein at age 90 has agency. She's not doing well, but clearly she wants to be there. If Dianne Feinstein were to resign, the Republicans would filibuster any possible replacements on the Judiciary Committee, and none of Biden's judicial picks would ever get approved. I am very confident that's the reason why Dianne Feinstein is suffering the very public challenges of poor health while serving. What about Pelosi, though? Because should she have groomed her successor by now? I'm really curious what you guys think. There's the ageism issue. Of course. You know, I fight against this every day. I look at Joe Biden. I see that he's 80. And I tell you, show me someone younger who's going to get 270 electoral votes. Gavin Newsom, maybe. But again, Ageism is a factor all the time. Now, I've I've met Leader Pelosi a few times. I've been on stage with her. I've been on TV with her. I have zero doubts that she's capable of serving and casting her yay or nay votes in the House. And she did yield the leadership to Hakeem Jeffries. At the same time... (laughs) She's getting older and, and and again, that's fine Steny Hoyer is a year older than she is And he's going to seek re-election And I'm not hearing anyone complain about that Women get the rough end of the ageism stick Even more roughly than men And men get it horribly Look at all the abuse Biden's taking for his age Where Trump is practically the same age And we're not hearing those concerns whatsoever But here's the deal Whether you think she has to go Whether you think it's great that she's staying <laughs> At the end of the day, the reason she's going to stay there, the reason Nancy Pelosi's not going anywhere, it doesn't matter what we think. She happens to be one of the strongest fundraisers in the history of the party. And she raises a lot of money for other candidates as well. And in the era of big money elections, in this time of private money guiding our elections instead of public money, don't be surprised when the best fundraisers stay in maybe a little longer than some might like to see them stay in. She was very blunt in explaining this to an interview in Politico that to be fully effective as a fundraiser, she has to be on the ballot again. She says, my focus is on the House and presidency. You're in a stronger position as a candidate. You may not know this, but if you're not a candidate, you can't really raise money for yourself. And raising money for myself enables me to spend that... On other people. And that's the political reality. She doesn't want to retire. She wants to stay there because whoever replaces her will be very nice and maybe more liberal than she is. But this is American politics. It's disgustingly focused on money. And she's really good at it. And that is a value that cannot be undersold in a corrupt system like the one America has. She said for the House Democrats, I need to be able to still raise significant money for them as a candidate. And she just headlined a fundraiser for Ruben Gallego, who is running for Kirsten Cinema's seat in twenty twenty four. Really curious how you feel about it. I see both sides of it, and I think both sides of it don't matter. It's gonna come down to the fundraising, like so much else in politics. Now I want to tell you also, it was a busy day today in the state of Georgia. And I want to talk about it because we're focusing a lot on how we are now in the age of micro accountability, maybe even better than micro accountability. Watching these indictments, watching Donald Trump finally have to go put his hand on a Bible and defend himself in a court of law. It's kind of thrilling, especially if you're, you know, a person who tries to follow the law and do what you're supposed to do and not break the law when it's convenient. Because people who follow the law tend to get seriously pissed and out of shape when they see a guy like Trump just walk between the raindrops his entire life now yesterday in the age of accountability we had a twofer peter navarro and danny masterson the former star of that 70s show who was sentenced to 30 years for multiple rapes when he is eligible for parole he will be that 70s rapist and i will make that joke because screw that guy But wow, I mean, the accountability is piling up. This week's sentences of the Proud Boy members brings the total years of incarceration for January 6th sentences to about 700 years. 350 plus people have been sentenced to jail or prison, and the average sentence there is just under two years. I mean, at Bedminster, Trump's hosting a $100,000 per person dinner to raise money for Rudy Giuliani's monumental legal bills. Rudy Giuliani's legal bills are taller than Rudy Giuliani and Trump is not going to give him any money himself, but Trump's got to keep Rudy on the friends list because you don't want Rudy flipping. So a lot of evil rich people are trudging over the Bedminster on a hot rainy night to have dinner for $100,000 to keep Rudy out of jail. Meanwhile, you got Ron DeSantis promising less accountability for the Proud Boys. Um, He said that he would pardon some of them. (laughs) <laughs> that have been jailed for the riot on January 6th. Now, this is hilarious because it's not a, you know, again, obviously, it's not about all the January 6th trespassers. It's about the ones who beat the hell out of the cops and pepper sprayed them. I mean, I mean, these are the, these are terrorists and you got DeSantis there saying he's going to pardon some of them. But the deal is, he doesn't mean it. Okay? DeSantis doesn't mean it. And it's not about him rescuing anybody from accountability. DeSantis, like Trump, believes in nothing and will say whatever he needs to do. And what he's doing here is groveling before the Trump voters who hate him. Ron DeSantis will never pardon the Proud Boys. Like Donald Trump, he does not care about the Proud Boys. It's hilarious that he thinks pardoning domestic terrorists is a good idea. This is the same guy, DeSantis, who pushed the anti-protest bill in Florida in 2021. And it's kind of hilarious. you think, you know, by now, if you're on the side of uh, American Nazis and the Confederates, and skinheads, and the KKK, and the Oath Keepers, and the Proud Boys, and Donald Trump, you're on the wrong side. <laughs> but he's pandering so hard to Trumpers. Oh my God, he's pandering. My God, Ron, how can you do it? Ron DeSantis is pandering so hard. He should offer to adopt Eric Trump. I'm going to keep on saying that. He should just say he's going to adopt Eric. It's, Ron, it's almost over, Ron. Just hang in there. It's almost over. But I want to talk now about some actual accountability, because we saw a bit more today with the hint Of more to come. And it all came from the beautiful state of Georgia. First off, a federal judge denied former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows' motion to move his RICO criminal case from a state court to a federal court. Meadows really wanted to move his case. You know why. Because he wanted a jury pool that was more favorable to Donald Trump. That's sort of a fancy way of saying he wanted to move it to a federal trial because he wanted a whiter jury. And the judge said most of the acts Meadows committed in the state of Georgia for which he is being tried were political, not official during most of the overt acts alleged. The court found that Meadows had exceeded his role as White House chief of staff by working directly with Trump's campaign rather than the president's office. Meadows spent three hours on the stand earlier hilariously confessing to everything Everything Meadows is the guy who turned over all of his text messages to the January 6th probe last year. The reason we know so much about so many text messages from various Republicans and Fox News personalities and Ginny Thomas and Trump Jr., we know so much about their text messages to the president's right hand because he turned them over. There's a lot of speculation that Meadows has already flipped on the federal level for Jack Smith. But not yet on the state level. So Meadows spent three hours confessing to everything he did, trying to get his, just his trial, moved to a federal case. Judge smacked it down. And that's huge. Not just because he's already confessed to many crimes under oath. But if they can't move Meadows' case, that means they're not going to be able to move anybody else's case, including Trump's. Meadows had the strongest case. But this is going to force Donald Trump to face the music in state court as well. The judge said the Constitution does not provide any basis for executive branch involvement with state election and post-election procedures. That's a big win for transparency. And it's an exciting time for people who are real big fans of cameras in the courthouse in Georgia. Now, of course, Meadows is going to appeal this to the 11th Circuit. But he's going to wind up where he started in Fulton County courtroom on TV. And the evidence he gave is going to be used against all of his co-defendants. It's going to be beautiful. They tried to steal the election in Georgia. That's why they're on trial in Georgia. But a moment to praise Fonnie Willis. Because yesterday, we didn't get a chance to cover it, but she wrote a scathing letter. Jim Jordan. I'm sure y'all saw it. Uh, Jordan, of course, has been writing these letters demanding an investigation into their investigation. And wow, you've got to read Fannie Willis's letter striking down all of Jim Jordan's requests of her office. It's a masterclass in throwing shade. She said and made this public. It's a nine page smackdown of a letter. The purpose of Jim Jordan's request is is to obstruct a Georgia criminal proceeding and to advance outrageous partisan misrepresentations. Your job description as a legislator does not include criminal law enforcement, nor does it include supervising a specific criminal trial because you believe that doing so will promote your partisan political objectives. Damn. Damn. I shouldn't even be the one reading this. I should like call up Wanda and ask her to read this because it's amazing. Your letter makes clear that you lack a basic understanding of the law, its practice, and the ethical obligations of attorneys generally and prosecutors specifically. She did not come to play, called him out on his lack of knowledge of the law, and then she offered to give him a brief tutorial on RICO law and suggested he buy a copy of RICO State by State for $249. Let me quote her again. She said to Jim Jordan, I am a prosecutor, not a bully. I am sworn to uphold the law, not break it. And I will not be intimidated by anyone, including members of Congress. Your attempt to invoke congressional authority to intrude upon and interfere with an active criminal case in Georgia is flagrantly at odds with the Constitution. Why can't journalists talk this way to Jim Jordan? There is absolutely no support for Congress purporting to second guess or somehow supervise an ongoing Georgia criminal investigation and prosecution. That violation of Georgia's sovereignty is offensive and will not stand. Your attempt to interfere with and obstruct this office's prosecution offends the Constitution and is illegal. Ah, oh, ah! Oh, it's 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 porn for the angels. And the Lord brought lube. And I thought, wow, it's not going to get better. This is the most beautiful way to end the week. But then, brothers and sisters, we got the unredacted grand jury report. Did you hear about it today? It's, it's really worth talking about for a couple of reasons. The special grand jury in Georgia, which had a year-long investigation of all the efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Well, they helped Vonnie Willis put together a huge trove of evidence. And she used that, of course, to have this sprawling indictment last month. Of Trump and 18 of his co-conspirators and flunkies like Rudy Giuliani and John Eastman and Jenna Ellis and the Kraken lady. So, so the grand jurors report was released today, and it turns out they recommended indictments against 39 people, not just 19. And the list of people the grand jury thought should be indicted. ooh boy, howdy. They wanted to go after a lot of folks. And suddenly, Fannie Willis does not look like a partisan DA out to take on one party. She looks like the model of restraint, if you ask me. Uh, the Fulton County Grand Jury had recommended charges against uh, former Senator David Perdue of Georgia, former Senator Kelly Laffer of Georgia, former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. Why they wouldn't indict Flynn is beyond me. Trump's uh, attorney, Cleta Mitchell, Trump's advisor, and, hey, friend of the show, Boris Epstein. <laughs> Chris, we came so close. One of our friends almost got indicted. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who knew? I mean, Fonnie Willis was supposed to have money riding against us because we would have won oh, that bet. I swear, I swear, I was I would have bet money that Boris got indicted because... Uh, If folks, if you've never heard Boris on Sirius XM, uh, a very smart man and a profoundly unwise man, and there's nothing more dangerous in politics than smart guys with absolutely no wisdom. Boris is going to catch it in some way. But the real news was the grand jury recommended indictment charges against South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham, who came under a lot of scrutiny for his efforts to contact Georgia election officials after the election and persuade them to help Donald Trump out. I mean, Fonnie Willis pared this list back considerably when she went to the grand jury. But, I mean, everyone was on that list, including you, Miss Lindsay. You better look over your shoulders. I want to play a clip. Here's uh, Lindsey Graham reacting to the news that he was among the list of people recommended by grand jury to be charged in 2020 election tampering.
3: This is troubling for the country. We can't criminalize senators doing their job when they have a constitutional requirement. fulfill it would be irresponsible for me in my opinion as chairman of the committee not to try to find out what happened it would be irresponsible for me to tell the voters of south carolina what i did without actually trying to find out what the right answer was so we're opening up pandora's box here fulton county is one of the most liberal jurisdictions in the country i fear this will spread That the next election, Democrats may be on the other side of this. (laughs) So at the end of the day, nothing happened. What I did was consistent with my job as being United States senator, chairman of the Judiciary Committee. But it was just not me. Three United States senators were opening up Pandora's box. I think the system in this country is getting off the rails and we have to be
2: careful not to use the legal system as a political tool. She's terrified. Now, there's two ways to spin this. OK, either uh, Fannie Willis is not overly zealous when it comes to handing out indictments in the election meddling case, and she actually is showing a lot of restraint against Republicans or or Lindsay is singing to the feds think about it. You don't think Lindsey Graham would double-cross Donald Trump in a second? He hates the man he grovels before. Either way, a special purpose grand jury made up of everyday Americans saw the evidence and concluded Lindsey Graham should be indicted. And it's Fonnie Willis's call that he wasn't. And we only found out about this today. You know what that means? Even Lindsey Graham's indictment recommendations are on the down low. We want to know what you guys think. We're at eight six six nine nine seven forty seven forty eight. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Bill is calling from the beautiful state of Virginia. Bill, good evening and welcome. You're on SiriusXM. Uh, thanks, John. I
4: hope you had a nice vacation. You deserve the tap off, believe me. Well,
2: thank you, sir. Where in Virginia. Are you calling from?
4: You really do. I'm calling Richmond, in... my usual okay. place. Okay. Hmm? Very nice. Well, actually, I
2: love. I love, uh, I love uh, Richmond. I
4: live across the river listen here's what i was going to ask of this you're talking about what the federal courts did have you got any comment today on the on the judgment that came down from the fifth circuit that reaffirmed a district court does that said that what the biden administration did including the fbi was unconstitutional because they tried to go to social media and somewhat twist their arms not to put out things about covid you know any kind of a I guess you call a counter message okay but but my poor and ceiling thing is this uh the, the post washington post and i do take it because i want to be fair and balanced about things sir sure. they had the oh they published the cnn poll that came out that basically every republican running for president any of them or the major ones all are either even even with, Donald Trump, uh, with, with President Biden, up to Nikki Haley being nine points up. Mm-hmm. And my question is this. There isn't more address on you part, I use it collectively, about the bread and butter things that are still causing people problems. All they got to do is look back to the days of Jimmy Carter and see what's happening.
2: So uh, what is the question? You know, I'm so sorry. I'm, what, what is the specific question you're asking?
4: Well, the first question was this: that you had a chance to even look at what the first sec, Fifth Circuit's decision was. It was in today's paper yeah. the paper news. Right? Yeah. And basically, you know, they found out that. And I'm not saying this has anything to do with uh, oh the thing about the uh, uh, the January sixth thing or any of that or the election thing. But sometimes there seems to be this thing about completely ignoring what might be court decisions that go against the other side.
2: Okay, no. Listen, I, I I have no problem with that. I have no problem with that. If anyone in this White House has broken the law, let them be prosecuted. It, okay, I got. I'm I'm not an occult. I'm not a Democrat. If Joe Biden did something untoward, if Joe Biden did something that deserves impeachment, go for it. I'm not an occult. I mean, you're you're gonna. T- it's gonna take a long time before any crimes this old man could do come anything close to Donald Trump's crimes. But I don't care. I feel the same way about Hunter Biden. If Hunter Biden broke the law, by all means, I think the business transactions of all presidential. Children should be scrutinized, so not a problem for me.
4: Okay, one other question. Then, what I said about the CNN poll—has anybody yeah. wondered why that, with Donald Trump being the trauma that he is, running even in the polls, there aren't that many MAGA Republicans out there? Yeah, numbers he's got are cut into independent, the independent vote. And I think well. issue—that I think the issue—is this: it's bread and butter. I know. Yeah,
2: a- I, I don't I don't know about that. Donald Trump is polling very highly among Republican voters. Uh, but when when it no, comes no, to these, no, no. the CNN poll, but in the CNN poll you're talking about, we don't know which states were polled. We don't know if it was a landline poll. And, you know, I, it's fine. It's it's a year and a half before the election. I don't think this White House is too worried about it yet.
4: What I would say, though, is this. Why is nothing addressed about certain things that the White House I'm also the Democratic Party, in the White House, does about these bread and butter issues. I went with my wife to the grocery store last week, had been in there a long time, and I almost fainted. Yeah. And when they talk inflation, it women when they talk inflation, they don't count two volatile things, fuel and food. That's true. Well, how about this? Virtually everybody has to eat, and probably 99% of the population is dependent on fuel, even if they don't drive. The groceries come by trucks.
2: Yeah. So are you angry? Are you angry about this corporate greed price gouging on American citizens when corporations are enjoying record profits and yet they're still raising the prices of goods? Cause it makes me furious. You can blame the White House if you want, but America has recovered from inflation better than any of the G7 allies. So as bad as the inflation war- has been, it's been worldwide. It hasn't been Joe Biden doing You're something here. Of- it's been the response from a worldwide plague that took the lives of over uh, a couple million people. And, um, so we're all recovering across the globe. America is recovering faster than our allies in the first world. But yeah, prices are still way too high. I think it's a great chance to get conservatives and liberals together and be angry about corporations that have record profits and CEOs taking home record compensation packages while still gouging the prices on the consumer.
4: Okay, that part I agree with. But I still say, though, if that's the case,
2: though, there's to be something. It's greed. It's greed.
4: Okay, it, it is greed, well, that's you know that's not unique to this country, and it's not unique to you know, the history of this country. It's the history of the world's been that way. You know, that's just kind of like the you know that's like the same discussion about racism. It's everywhere, everywhere. You know, sure. no matter where you go. But
2: yeah, you, um, America, America has. It, but you would you would you would agree America has a uniquely special historical relationship with racism, wouldn't you? <laughs>
4: No, after having gone to Turkey I don't think that. In fact when I go when I go I mean you know
2: slavery (laughs) (laughs) the
4: whole thing. Huh?
2: Did Turkey make a big fuss of becoming a free nation for free people and move from a slave importing industry to a slave breeding industry and then have apartheid for a 100 years, keeping ex-slaves from enjoying the full rights of citizenship they were promised? I I happen to think America's got a lot of racism and deplorable uh, uh, bigotry and violence that competes with our lofty talk about ourselves and our love of liberty.
4: Okay, then that brings up my point then. If the people that are being affected most by this economic thing, and the Democrats, sometimes, I don't know what they look at. Listen, I didn't vote for Trump last time, nor did I vote for Biden. I vote for our former senator, Jim Webb. But I'm trying to figure out what the Democrats are going to be able to do for him. I hear you. I'm not going to vote for Trump. I, am I hear you. I'm not going to vote for Trump.
2: Uh, here's but what's going to happen.
4: Republican, I have voted for Yeah.
2: I'll tell you what's going to happen. Uh, And then I got to run. But I appreciate your call so much. It's good to hear from you. And I hope you're well. A year from now, it's going to be about the issues. And Joe Biden's going to fall back on his line. Don't judge me against the almighty. Judge me against the alternative. You are going to see a lot of people who have not a lot of enthusiasm for Joe Biden right now have tremendous enthusiasm for Donald Trump to not be president again. Roe v. Wade will continue to drive massive turnout of women and young people. And maybe Biden won't be on the ballot. Maybe it won't be Trump. It's way too too early to speculate, which is why I don't take all these polls terribly seriously. Most people aren't paying attention to politics right now, and they really won't until the new year starts.
4: Okay, I agree with that. Was well, nice to have you back, John.
2: It's first What a pleasure, sir. Thank you very much. You. Nothing but love. Thank you. Okay, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, more of your calls and Adrian Shropshire of Black Pack. I'm so excited to have her back because uh, what's going on in Alabama? Well, when we talk about institutionalized systemic racism. They're showing how it's done. When Donald Trump's Supreme Court has to tell them to be less racist. You know, something smells bad in Denmark. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of your calls and Ms. Shropshire on Sirius XM.
0: Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts.
1: dot edu slash podcast.
4: freaker or wherever you get your podcast on because you know i love it when you do
2: Welcome back to serious XM Progress. We're at 866-997-4748. I'm so pleased to end the week with one of our favorite guests. I'm always thrilled anytime we can get this woman here. Adrian Shropshire is Executive Director of Black Pack and the affiliated nonpartisan Black Progressive Action Coalition. She is a hero in developing model integrated voter engagement programs that build voter power among marginalized people over multiple election cycles and along with black progressive leaders around the country Adrian founded Black Pack in 2016 to develop a real infrastructure for real black political engagement she oversees Black Pack's research and political strategy coordinates with grassroots people and she's one of the people saving our democracy Ms. Shropshire welcome back to SiriusXM
5: thank you so much John it's good to be back
2: Well, I'm so glad to have you here. I've been a little bit terrified of what we've been witnessing in Alabama and in Florida, and I really wanted to get your take on it. You are someone who is devoted professionally and personally, and I I even think spiritually, to getting greater engagement of African-Americans and of all people in our democratic process because everyone should vote. And it seems like after a year after Ron DeSantis wiped out an entire voting district in Florida, that was... 40% African-American that had a black Democratic congressman. DeSantis just blew the district away. All those voters were absorbed from one district into four pre-existing majority white districts. And we saw how they do it, how the black vote is systemically diluted. So Alabama has been trying to do that, a state with a very large uh, uh, African-American population. And of course, only one voting district really dominated by African-Americans. And yet you think with this many folks in the state, they should have greater representation. Can you walk us through this process that we've been seeing with Alabama and the Supreme Court? Because it's been a crazy couple of months.
5: Well, I mean, I think uh, one of the points that you just made that's incredibly important is just the recognition that um, Alabama, uh, the black uh, electorate um, in Alabama is nearly 30 percent of the overall electorate. And that's the piece that, um, you know, these things don't happen by accident, right, that you have uh, black voters representing 30% of the electorate and there's only one representative um, in Congress. And yep. so you know, this is obviously decades and generations um, of an attempt to, of multiple uh, attempts to um, disenfranchise black voters uh, in, in the state. Um, and I think that what we're seeing right now is really kind of stunning in a way. Right. We got the Supreme Court ruling um, earlier this summer, essentially saying that the state um, had, uh, you know, undermined, um, you know, black voters in the state uh, by drawing maps that uh, reduced, restricted right their, um their ability to uh, choose a representative of their choice. Um, yes. And that they needed to um, add an additional district, um, an additional uh, black district to their maps. Um, the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court that has done nothing since John Roberts has been there, but undermine the Voting Rights right. Act.
2: Right. right. Testifying. Um,
5: so this was sort of, you know, was sort of I think everyone sort of, uh, you know, was uh, rightfully feeling victorious around this. The uh, state of Alabama then essentially said, sure, OK, um, and then drew maps that did not create um, exactly. a second district. Um, and and obviously we know that the. Um, a judge, um, you know, sort of threw that back in their in their face. Um, but it really is reminiscent of, you know, everything that we've come to see in black and white documentary footage, right, of um, the South in a way, sort of, you know, defying the federal government um, in the federal government's um, attempt to um, ensure uh, equity um, in yes. in this country and particularly in the South. It's sort of, you know, um, you know, it's it's George Wallace standing in the schoolhouse door. It's all of the so things true. that we so true. that we know that we've seen and that many uh, folks who are here with us today experienced. Um, and we're seeing that right now in this case um, in Alabama where the state uh, has essentially said, no, <laughs> uh, we're not going to do it.
2: To the Supreme Court, yeah. I mean, they, they you know, I always tell folks if you really want to understand how they do this and how it works, just Google Jim Jordan's voting district and then hit images and take a look at the geometric nightmare of bizarre shapes and patterns that twists through Ohio to avoid Any area that's majority black and how they dilute the black vote systemically to keep these mediocrities going back into office year after year. And folks, as you point out, who make up a sizable portion of a population are still wondering, we all show up to vote. Why can't we get recognized? And it's been very heartening to see courts in Alabama, courts in Florida say that, no, you guys have deliberately and unfairly diluted the voting power of black citizens. But there's a lot of other states that are trying to do yeah. exactly that right now. And they're only beginning to get a little bit of media coverage.
5: Yeah, I think that's right. And this it feels really important for while, while the, the Alabama case is egregious and is right in front of us. And we're watching them in real time defy the federal government. Um, and we really should be talking about it in in that way. Um, we're watching them in real time do this. There are dozens or, you know, many. Uh, more than a dozen um, other states um, that are, you know, looking at um, this, you know, have the same sort of situation happening. Um, Again, this attempt to dilute black votes to um, reduce um, the power of black voters. Um, And I think that it's important that we not look at them in isolation, right, that we not talk about what's happening in Georgia, Um, Separate from what's happening in Alabama, separate from what's happening in Louisiana. I mean, because it's not separate. And we've spent enough time over the last few years talking about collusion and conspiracy to know uh, that sometimes there's collusion and conspiracy. right? Um, And that, (laughs) you know, when you tie all of these things together, this is absolutely not. Not about an individual state doing something. This is about um, a seemingly coordinated effort um, to restrict and reduce the power of the Black vote. Um, so, and, you know, this country has a long history um, of, of this very thing. And so I think it's important for us to look at it in its totality because that's how it has to be addressed by our federal government. That's why we had a Voting Rights Act.
2: Thank and you. why I we mean, need that. And it just it just is so systemic in terms of death by a thousand cuts. We we make it harder for folks to vote here, make it harder for folks to vote there. The Supreme Court guts the Voting Rights Act in summer of 2013. These photo ID, uh, photo ID laws, which are designed not to stop the problem of voter impersonation because America has no problem and it's never had a problem with voter impersonation. Just designed to make it harder for some people to vote. And then in these cases, as you point out, you, you know, in Alabama, this has been going on for two years. And it was in June when the Supreme Court said, no, this map violates the the Voting Rights Act by not giving African-Americans, a third of your population, the chance to elect who they want in two different districts. But we all know that the census is done so we can accurately have voting districts drawn. But when districts are heavily partisan. They don't care. And even after the Supreme Court said, you got to fix it, Alabama lawmakers, they, they said, here, we redid the map. And it was exactly the same. Adrian, right. I guess my question is, is the real goal here the same as Donald Trump's goal in all of his trials? Delay, delay, delay. Yes, we heard you. We'll get on it right away. Maybe we'll be ready by 2024.
5: Right. Well, we saw that in the last election cycle where there's there was an attempt to delay um, to keep maps that were favorable to Republicans um, in place for the 2022 election. Um, so, yes, of course, this is about delay. I mean, I think it's about delay. Um, it's also about trying to, you know, sort of reshape the narrative around whether or not gerrymandering is OK or not. OK. Right. And we yeah. see that um in north carolina right in for example where you had um a conservative court um elected um after uh, a more progressive i guess you would say court um essentially said that the last maps that were draw- drawn in north carolina um uh, were diluting black political power you get this new conservative court elected and they essentially said well no actually it's not it's 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 not constitutionally prohibitive, right? To um, to have partisan gerrymandering, um, and the problem here, and I suspect the sort of wordsmithing um, is about getting around Section Two of the Voting Rights Act because it's not racial gerrymandering. But when one racial group is the one that's affected by your partisan gerrymandering that you seem to think is okay, then of course the outcome is in fact racial gerrymandering, um, and so it's this sort of Playing with words, you know. I, I, you know, think about it. You know, we have this, like, you know, nineteen eighty four. You know, um, you know, uh, the book, of course. Not, yes, of course. <laughs> uh, not, the, yeah. Right. The, you know, we've got this sort of, uh, you know, weird chain. You know, using language in different ways or shifting words to to really gaslight um, the American people about what is what is what is attempting to be done here.
2: Yeah. And again, this is happening in Arkansas, Kentucky, New Mexico, South Carolina. It's happening in Utah and Texas. And it's really I mean, on the surface, it seems like, yeah, they're they're trying to make it harder for African-Americans to have representation. But in the big picture, it's they're trying to make sure that the Democrats can never take the House again. I mean, this is all about the Republican Party changing the rules to protect their own majority because they're afraid democracy won't work out for them.
5: That's right. I mean the well, you know the margins are small for them. I mean they barely won um, in in uh, twenty two after you know all the wild predictions of you know red tsunamis um, did not happen. They barely won, and so now they're desperate to try and hold on to um, to their small majority. They're worried, of course, that you know they have a you know a twice impeached, four time indicted um, you know front runner. Uh, for their presidential uh, nomination, who with a mugshot, right? Um, uh, who is you know going to be their nominee? And I don't think that they feel good about that. Um, I'm not sure they feel good about the Senate, um, and they know that they need to hold on to something. And so it's important for their the only way. And we you know you know this, you talk about it that the only way for them to win and to hold on to any political majority anywhere is to cheat. Um, and so that's what that's what they're doing. And fundamentally, yep. that's right. This is about the House. This is about redrawing maps in a way that could actually add Democratic seats um, in Alabama, in Louisiana, right, in, in places where um, you would not expect and they don't expect to have to fight. Right. They believe yeah. that, you know, that they've got the South lock, locked down um, and they and they don't. Um, And they don't because the people don't want it that way. Right. The only way that they stay in power in the way that they do in southern states um, is by suppressing people, um, by repressed behavior, behavior and, and by simply cheating.
2: I think Mississippi and Alabama are the stark examples yet of a Republican Party that refuses to let African-Americans experience any kind of representation or self-governance. But how significant was the Supreme Court decision in June of Moore v. Harper? I know that dealt with North Carolina, where their Supreme Court was trying to have the authority to review election laws and redistricting.
5: Right. Well, I think that that, you know, so important. Right. I mean, I think that part of the um, North Carolina becomes complicated because you have this court now um, that is so reactionary. Uh, But I do think that, you know, when we um, that what we can't have, though, is state legislatures, um, particularly when you have these super majorities, um, you know, essentially um, saying that uh, you know, determining what election law is um, in in their states, I, we 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 clearly cannot have that. Um, and so I think we've had we've had a lot of important victories, um, or we had a, you know a number of important victories, a, a number of obviously significant, devastating, um, and potentially trans, transformational losses of the Supreme Court um, as well. But on this front, we've had some victories. Um, the challenge is again, as history has told us, the challenge is in making states comply. We should not have yes. that as a challenge right now in 2023. Um, but the challenge appears to be making states um, comply with the law um, and mm-hmm. i think that in some ways it gives it also opens up you know when we think about um you know uh the need to protect what we have left of the voting rights act clearly yes. you know we were all anticipating that section two would fall um in this decision right and it didn't and so there's still there's still some hope right in terms of being able to um not just save the voting rights act um but to actually strengthen strengthen it and obviously this election coming up matters and this all these things play into where we're headed to in 2024 all of this matters in 2024 because you get the product senate you get the democrats taking about the house you get joe biden back in the white house and we have the john lewis voting rights act Right. And we will strengthen uh, voting rights in this country um, for generations. And there is clearly a fear about what that would mean um, for the Republican Party.
2: Well, then let me ask you the million dollar question in our final minute. What's giving you the most hope? Because I think they're awakening a sleeping giant and they're getting a lot of people engaged in the political process. And maybe even we're going to see new minority majority districts. But w- what's inspiring you right now with all of this Michigas going on?
5: Well, I think probably mostly that that people are not asleep, right? I mean, you know, Rhonda Sampson likes to pejoratively use the word woke. But the reality is that people are not asleep and they see what's happening. Um, And we saw how people reacted. Um, last year, when when Roe fell, um, but I don't think that people were just reacting to the individual Roe decision. People were reacting to a real fear around the erosion of all of our rights. Um, and I think you could say going back even further, um, when when the Shelby decision came down, you had um, you know since that moment, sort of black voters engaging in a way that is simply about we're not going to lose this, right? We won't we won't allow this to be taken away, and so. So I think, you know, what 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 gives me hope and I see it in our polling and in our focus groups and as we're talking to voters around the country, people know what's up um, and they're prepared to do what's necessary to make sure that we have a democracy, one, um, and that we have a democracy that is set up to work for everybody.
2: Adrian Shropshire is executive director of Black Pack and the nonpartisan Black Progressive Action Coalition. I feel better every time I talk to you. I swear to God. What is the best way for our listeners to keep up with you and all your work, Adrian?
5: Um, at Adrian Shropp on all the platforms and at uh, Vote Black Pack on all the platforms.
2: Thank you so much for joining us and for inspiring me. It's going to be quite a year, and I love what you do. Really a pleasure. Have a great weekend. We got to take a break. Thank you. We got to take a break right now. We'll be right back in a moment with your calls at 866 997 4748.
0: Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder.
1: The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna
0: repeatedly practice specific skills.
1: Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
0: Explore more stories like Shana's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. <laughs>
2: Welcome back. This is Progress After Dark at 866-997-4748. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to be joined by the brilliant and funny Natalia Reagan, who survived Burning Man. Uh, I want to get to a couple of your calls first. Before we do, let's go to Marie in Atlanta. Marie, welcome, counselor. You may approach the bench.
6: Hey, John. Welcome back and happy belated birthday, by the way.
2: Thank you. It was a real um, pleasure being in Stephanie Miller's basement and getting to talk to you last week, Marie. I, I love finding out who cheats on me with these other progress hosts. Uh, when I go on their share. shows, it's great share. to hear them all. Yeah. Well, thank
6: you. Um, so first, I'd like to address Bonnie Willis's letter to Jim Jordan. It can be summed up in yes. the following phrase. Thanks for visiting Wishabitch Woods. Have a nice day. It was beautiful,
2: (laughs) beautiful. I mean, there there are some legal scholars I've heard and seen on TV who've said they wouldn't have been as derogatory and as smackdown of Jim Jordan as she was. They would try to be more restrained in their language and not make it seem like they were angry. But I think she was trying to shut something down.
6: I agree. I mean, there... I think I saw some of the commentators that you're speaking of, and in all candor, for a woman of color, particularly a woman of color who has a very important job, and it's no small thing to run for and get elected to district attorney um, for jurisdiction, I really do think that she is likely, in essence, Jim Jordan is trying her, and whereas... A prosecutor who's not black has the luxury of being eloquent and so on and so forth. I really think she had to essentially step to him like, you know what? Fuck around and find out. I really think <laughs> I that's think what what's right. going on. And I don't blame yeah. her. I don't blame her. I don't blame
2: there. her either. I loved it. It was thrilling to read. Thrilling to read. <laughs> <laughs>
6: um, now, regarding the special grand jury report, I just want to remind everybody yeah. um, that that grand jury report is like a police report. It's a public record. So, the likelihood that they were going to be able to keep that sealed from the public view—that um, was—that was—it was going to come out sooner or later, just like a police right. report, and like a police report. Because I've been a prosecutor, you get a police report where the officer says, "I came on the scene, I saw this, and I—you know—I re- arrested the guy for a violation of blah 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 statute." And as a prosecutor, you get that report and you start looking and you go. I'm not sure I can prove that based on what you have here, and you send your investigators to find some things, and then they come back and they say, oh, no, we've actually got a charge of blah, 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 and we can prove it, and here's the proof. Yeah. So the grand jury report, while it may reflect people who were not charged, or it may reflect facts, it may reflect some things that haven't come to an indictment at this point. Nothing says that she can't indict later, um, but it may well be that you know, like a police report, she looked at it and said, eh, I can charge this, I can charge that, and I definitely know I can prove these following things. Not so right. sure about that other thing. You know, it depends on what develops over time.
2: But what is what is your takeaway, counselor, on this? Because to me... Um, it's interesting seeing on the one hand, this woman is clearly a, a model of restraint when she had the option and the urging of her grand jury to indict so many more Republicans, but she chose not to. And of course, there's widespread speculation that Lindsay's already flipped. And that could be a reason why he wasn't indicted. It is still a distinct possibility that he could get indicted down the road, isn't it?
6: Exactly. All the people that you see in that grand jury report who were not indicted, there's nothing that says they cannot be indicted later because the report is just that again it's a police report like a police report you may go after the person who's the subject of the police report and then you find out in investigating the police report that there were other people who were involved and you may not indict you may not seek to try them with the person who was the subject of the police report it may be something that you want to try separately again i wouldn't i wouldn't take the fact that she didn't indict to mean anything more than she made a decision at that time based on what was in
2: front right. of us. So I got to write a book about this called What to Expect When You're Indicting. That's what you're saying.
6: <laughs> Pretty much.
2: <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh, Marie, um, thank you for raising the collective IQ of us. We really appreciate it. I try. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, it, one, one last question. What, how do you see this mm-hmm. playing out? Do you, do you think that, that Lindsay may have flipped? Do you think he's going to be indicted later down the line?
6: Not only do I think Lindsay may have flipped, um, I, I I think before he can be indicted, now that he's – if he hasn't already flipped, he's taken one look at that grand jury report and realized, oh, crap, you know, I, I'm not out of the woods yet on this. Someone has You're made right. – you know, a group of people made a recommendation. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's talking to his legal counsel right now about if he oh, hasn't God. already flipped. Yeah. Um, but the other one, Mark Meadows um, – Just understand, while I agree that the jury pool, getting a more conservative jury pool, i.e. a wider jury pool by going to the federal jurisdiction, that might have been his goal. Um, But it also could be that he's familiar with Jack Smith. Remember at the beginning of the investigation that Jack Smith started, he turned over a bunch of stuff. The thing he wouldn't do is sit down and talk with Jack Smith. And I think Mm. that was actually smart, because think about it. What he says... Isn't all that valuable? What is in writing, you can't take back.
2: Well, I mean, but Meadows gave gave the January 6th committee all of those text messages. And then when he realized how bad that was, he tried to sue them and no one cared. Now uh, he's I think he's just out for himself. He may have flipped already on a federal level for Jack Smith, but clearly not. Clearly not in Georgia, and he 's trying so hard to get his trial moved to a a federal case, but on the stand, he pretty much confessed to everything again. I mean Meadows just seems like he 's got a cup in his hand looking for leniency here
6: well, and I think that, I think that 's what 's happening. I think the reason he was trying to get into a federal venue is because he knows jack smith right he 's already yeah. had that exposure. The speculation is and i think it's pretty reasonable that meadows has already agreed you know entered into some type of agreement with jack smith i think yeah. having no familiarity with faunny willis and having seen how Fawny has you know as they say not taken any tea for the fever um right. <laughs> i think he's he, he feels a little less lucky <laughs> in trying to deal with her so i think it's also he was trying to main he was trying to stay in a venue where he would stick with dealing with jack smith
2: yeah, you're right. Brilliant. Because, you know, uh, Marie, you're, thank you so, so much. Have a great weekend. I really appreciate you classing up my show on the regular. Have a great <laughs> evening. Uh, before good we get well. to Natalia, thank you. I want to get one more call in before Ms. Reagan classes up our show. Uh, Eliel is on the line, line eight from California. Eliel, am I saying your name right? Welcome. Yes,
7: you said my name right. Hi, John. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Listen, this is the first time I call a regular. I've been listening to you, Stephanie Miller. Zarina in the mornings, and Dean, you guys get me through my day. My day starts at 4 a.m., and it doesn't end until about 8 p.m. You guys get me through my Good day. Good gracious. I
2: say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on a second. What do you do that you start that early in the day?
7: I am a operations and curation manager at a cannabis subscription company in Los Angeles. <laughs> You're doing the Lord's work. Okay, carry on, please. Carry yes, on. yes. I just wanted to say that a couple of days ago, your Dr. Seuss rhyme for the Trump crimes really tickled me pink. And I wish I could share it with everybody in the entire world so that they're able to see. We'll have to, to share.
3: We have to isolate it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, you you can hear yes, it on the podcast. I, uh, the, the the Chris put it on the podcast that came out uh, yesterday, so you can you can hear it on the John Fuglesang podcast, the uh, the Thursday, the seventh edition, and uh, we're making we're shooting a video of it to to spread around, and uh, yeah, might just see it on stage as well at a couple of gigs coming up. That is
7: awesome because I it absolutely tickled me pink, and I felt like you know what. Screw my anxiety. Let me call this radio station. Let me tell John that he is doing the Lord's work. And I also wanted to say that I don't understand what these older white Republicans are thinking in office right now in Congress and the Senate when people like me in the next 15, 20 years are going to be the majority. And when I say people like me, I mean my father is Jamaican and Cuban. My mother is Middle East Jewish. And I'm gay. I'm the Whoa. worst kind of. Whoa! <laughs> yes. Okay, thank you, dude.
2: Yes. You get like five so party, You get saying. five parades a year. You have like five different parades a year. I'm impressed. Oh, you know I take every holiday off during the year. Well, let me tell you Everyone. one thing, though. Let me tell you, i got to tell you one thing. Uh, you're around far too much cannabis on a daily basis to have all this anxiety. you gotta, You got to have some faith here. There's, there's, it's people like you uh, <laughs> that are going to actually bring us a decent society. So don't, don't worry so much. Get in the game, fight, and then go give yourself some self-care so these fascists don't stress you out. You don't deserve it. And you're around too much weed to be that stressed. I promise. Thank you, Dodd. Thank you. Thank and you. again, keep and
7: doing the Lord's work. I appreciate it. Everybody's listening to you
2: and we're spreading the word. Hey, never mind that. You did great on the air. Is it your first time calling a radio show? I hope you'll do it more often. You're good at this. Thank you. You'll be hearing from me again. All right. I'm counting on it. Right now, I'm very happy to be hearing from one of our favorite people on Earth. Natalia Reagan is an anthropologist. She's a primatologist. She's an actor. She's a writer. She's a producer. She's been an all-star host on our friend Neil deGrasse Tyson's Star Talk. She's even been a dancing McNugget in a TV commercial. Uh, She's my go-to person for science facts and history facts. And I am so glad that this woman's okay because I was texting with her every day in Burning Man. Natalia, welcome back. You look great.
8: (laughs) Uh thank you so much for having me. I just I just, I
2: just and, and boy,
8: are my arms tired.
2: Yeah. Now, you've been to Burning Man many, many times and you rub it in my face because I'm old and lame and have a child and it's all over for me. Uh, but I have to ask this year I, we were taught you were on the show right before you left. At what point did you realize this Burning Man festival? Was Because I was just on News Nation tonight uh, talking about it, and, and they were all angry that it had gotten so much airtime. Dan Abrams was very mad that, why is the media covering this? And I'm like, well, it's a, a lot of scantily clad women in body paint riding bikes in the desert. You tell me Not why good. the news is covering But when yeah. did you realize that this Burning Man was going to be a bit different than the ones you've been to before?
8: Well, that's a, that's a great question. So uh, this was my 10th burn, and I, I was not going to go. My camp graciously gifted me a t- ticket because this year, has been a, this, has been, this year has been a doozy for the freelancers out there. So I got gifted a ticket because I am indeed an animal expert, and the theme this year was animalia. It was animals. Uh, so I actually went out there. I brought a, a gift, which is a sticker that has a howler monkey and very large testicles on it that says, the louder the call, the smaller a ball. It was an animal fact. I, I went out there. I actually gave multiple talks at Burning Man, including at Black Rock Observatory on gay animals and animal constellations. And I actually opened for a Bonobo themed sex party. So I can now yes. add fluffer for an orgy onto my CV. Uh, so it was it was fantastic. And yes, I went to an orgy and had no sex, but I did stay for the entire time to talk animal facts with people. um making sweet passionate love around me uh Mm. but it wasn't until about friday uh, i was standing next to a 30 foot tall clitoris sculpture yes uh and for those folks that out there some of some people still couldn't find it still couldn't Uh. find it i would ask men (laughs) on the play have you seen the 30 foot tall clitoris sculpture and they said no where is it and i was like dear fucking god yeah yeah how big does it have to be but i was standing next to it Exactly. It was it was titillating. Uh, I was standing next to it, and uh, it was a, a dust storm was kicking up, and some raindrops started falling. And you know, we get rain every so often there, just usually a little smattering. Little smattering of rain, and uh, I got my my keister back to uh, my tent. Not before I, I walked past porta potties that just people had spelled uh, "eat more pussy" on each door of the porta potties. It was a wonderful piece of art that I captured. There was a theme this year at the burn. Okay. But I got back to my tent. I actually filmed the video there, pointing out how dusty I was only to point out how how the rain was picking up and it was becoming torrential. And then it really started to downpour. And uh, there was a break in the rain at one point and there was a double rainbow outside. Uh, I was that asshole screaming, oh my God, it's a double rainbow. As everybody was rejoicing, they were playing, you know, hair, um, Age of Aquarius. (laughs) Uh, But uh, then the rain started again and it went all night. And when we woke up the next morning, that's when I realized this was not going to be an easy uh, rest of the burn because it was a lake. You know, it, it is a dry lake bed, right? The playa is a dry lake bed. And when you get that wet, it turns into clay, mucky, mucky, yes. quicksand like clay. Uh, we're a bunch of dumb, dumb dummies just, you know, partying on a lake bed uh, waiting right. for waiting for it to rain, although it is. But I mean, in fairness, in, in fairness,
2: you, you've been there. You've been there nine times before with no yeah. problem. You had every reason to expect that it would be fine. And, you know, I was in L.A. last week for the hurricane with the earthquake in it. So, again, everybody was caught by surprise by that weather. But but go on, please. Yeah,
8: and, and I was I was in town for the earthquake as well. Uh, but and then the people on the playa also got that, by the way, it, it, they were literally in the path of Hillary. And they got they got smited pretty good. They were smoked out there. But um, and actually it delayed the entrance into Burning Man a couple days. So a lot of the art came up was that was finished later. Uh, But yeah, it was one of those things where, you know, we had emergency cap meetings. My camp is amazing. We're called Furniture Car Rally Camp. Big shout out to them. We have a lot of doctors in our camp, a lot of doctors who have done global health in places like Haiti, Sudan, um, you know, uh, all all throughout Africa and uh, so I think in India and um, other parts of the Caribbean during natural di- disasters. So we had a lot of ER doctors weighing in. We had an infectious okay. disease doctor who's a dear friend of mine who was actually in Liberia during the Liberia uh, the Ebola outbreak in 2015. Okay. So FYI, there was no Ebola at Burning Man, <laughs> but we no, we but, knew I mean- we saw that news and we were like, well, at least we have this guy with us. We have Lawrence to, to, you know, keep an eye on us. But uh, yeah, yeah, there was no, ex-
2: there was no, there was no Ebola. That was all hype. But I mean, I, I, I saw lots of footage of just cars that were deeply stuck in mud. The Portosan situation the seemed portos. like a nightmare. And the I talked portos. to a lot of people who had to really get very creative with managing human waste for a couple of days. Getting
8: in a Ziploc bag, you know, don't knock it till you try it, John. Don't knock is that it that what happened?
2: Is that what people, is that uh, what people I actually to do? was
8: able to bypass that. um Okay. For once. I've, I've shit in a bag before. I'm not proud of it, but I'm not ashamed of it. It's just a thing I've done. Uh, but no yeah, point. I was pretty good. Our portos, uh, starting off at the beginning of the week, at the, I was in the three o'clock sector. I felt like they just didn't like us. They rarely were clean. But it piled up into in a way that was most unsavory. Uh, we would walk to different areas of the burn to actually sometimes poop to avoid, you know, getting poop on ourselves while we pooped. Uh, it good was God. something else. Yeah, it was. you know, But again, you have to understand, I'm a woman who's chased monkeys in the field. So the mud, the poop, things like this don't freak me out. Right. But okay. we had to be careful because you wanted to make sure there are, you know, like you could get call. I mean, like a, a cholera outbreak could happen, but you'd have to have somebody with cholera to be patient zero to even have that happen. But there are waterborne and fecal borne illnesses that we had to be very careful about. They, our camp was very big on use hand sanitizer. Don't put yourself at risk. Wear shoes if you're going to go to the Porto because there were right. ways that we'd handle walking in the mud, like putting socks on our shoes or um, or garbage bags, duct tape, real sexy look. Uh, Burning Man 2023 had some real, you know, just, you know, I don't know. I, I think Can the I, runway filled with garbage bags and duct tape next year. I
2: I, I, I have to ask you about these three eyed dinosaur shrimp that yes. began turning up because you are my go-to person for all things yes. scientific. Is this like a brine shrimp sea monkeys kind of thing that they're just there and they got yeah. activated?
8: Kind of. They're bigger. They're much bigger than the, than the little no, they're, sea monkeys.
2: No, they're scary looking too. What what happened with three-eyed hey. dinosaur shrimp coming out of the ground in the middle of all of this? Yeah,
8: and they use that third eye to, to detect light, yeah, which oh. a bunch of hippies. We just exude all the light. They just feel us and they see us and they come towards us. But no, their he- their eggs can last uh, about 27 years and then they hatch and they have very kind of short lifespans, a couple months. But yeah, I, I didn't personally see any and I, um, I'm i actually quite offended that-, that none of them came to-, to visit me. I did see though, lots of insects on the playa this year and I think that had a lot to do with the rains preceding our arrival. I saw, I, I- some man thought I was crazy. Well, he wasn't wrong. But I stopped my bike as I was furiously riding to talk to a grasshopper, it was real. It was actually a real grasshopper, I think, I don't know. His name was Ichabod, never mind. Uh, wow. But I, there was a grasshopper that I saw. There were other, uh, I saw a butterfly. I've never seen a butterfly during Burning Man ever. Um, but yeah, these fairy shrimp were coming up. Uh, you know, they, again, they've got a really cool, uh, you know, mechanism to, that allows them to basically survive, you know, being dried out and then get bored. And they have a very quick life cycle. Um, and wow. some people were finding them. So, yeah, uh, I, I joked with Chris that, you know, have you gotten them scrubbed them out of your hair? And I'm like, no, they're my family now. And I love them. Um,
2: I, I, have, I have I have one more question for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it's very key uh, that I've been wondering about, because, you know, one of my favorite people in America is this congresswoman, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's brilliant. I don't know if you've heard of oh, her. She's wonderful. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, wonderful lady. Really, really <laughs> compassionate and cares. And that arch- she she. She said she was very glad that 70,000 people were stranded and having a a kind of a rough time because she said God has a way of making sure everyone knows who God is. So he was flooding them with tornadoes. My question is, how many tornadoes of this flood did you were there tornadoes in Burning Man?
8: Fuck tornadoes. I only saw fuck tornadoes, but tornadoes filled with fuck. Funny oh. enough, I did date a man that was in a band called Fuck Tornadoes. That's another story for another day. Um, no, okay. we actually—I'm not kidding. Most of the people I've talked to, this burn was so incredibly special. This was my tenth burn and quite possibly my most favorite one. Um, a lot of people came together at a time that could have been really rough, and we made the most of it. I mean, there was so much joy out there. There was so—let m- me just tell you, I on my street, we took this disgusting, you know, mud pit and. There were the Tower of Tits, a woman actually sculpted a tower of tits, I will send you pictures, and a bastion of booties, a big tower of booties. People made the most of it. So many clay dick sculptures out there, chef's kiss. I mean, people really did thrive in the, de- the, de- the desert. It's kind of funny that she thinks a bunch of dirty hippies are gonna melt you know, in a filthy mudstorm. you know, like we we were thriving in what we thrive best in, which is filth. So, I mean, well, I mean, here's what I
2: the biggest takeaway I got from it was there was no looting. There was no vandalism. There was no violence. And people no. from everything I've heard were generally pretty kind to each other.
8: Sharing people were sharing left and right. If People didn't have enough water, enough gas. I mean, because there's generators out there. People were there. It is a gifting economy. So that's one thing. One thing: if you yeah. don't know anything about Burning Man, there is no economy there other than ice. That's the only thing. They used to have a coffee shop in the, the center camp. They got rid of that. Just ice. Of course, ice went away very quickly during the rainstorm because you know there was no way for ice uh, trucks to get in and out. Um, right. But it's a gifting economy, and people took care of each other. People held each other, you know, uh, close, uh, checked in on each other. Uh, our camp, one of the big things that we, we had, a camp meeting twice a day, 9 a.m. at 5 p.m. And we would we would really drive home. This is a time to be very kind to each other and kind to ourselves. If you you don't see somebody for a while, go check in on their tent, make sure they're okay. A lot of us weren't like, for instance, I was in a tent in the lowest part of the camp. So my I when I finally picked up my tent, it was like walking on a waterbed, by the way. Yeah. Uh, when I finally picked it up, it was like a mud pit, you know, but there were some in RVs and they took those people in tents in. Um, but there was a lot of just taking care of each other. And that's something that I don't think she understands. You know, this faux Christianity where we don't really take care of each other, this was real Exactly.
2: Christian. Oh, you, you, you guessed my point with the whole spiel. Uh, we have to take a break. We got a lot of callers. Do yeah. you want to hang out with us and talk to the folks?
8: Absolutely. We Me and the are down.
2: Right back, taking all your calls at 866 997. Grit, this is Progress After Dark. Back, Natalia and I are going to try to get to your calls as quickly as we can, guys. Please make your point as succinctly and fast as you can. Mitch in Kent State, welcome. You're on progress with Natalia.
9: Thank you, John and Natalia. Good to hear you, uh, John. Uh, again, belated happy birthday. I'm sorry, and Thank also to other Virgos, uh including Frank Collins and Peter yes. Sellers today. Peter Sellers,
2: Peter Sellers would have been 98 years old today, and I'm and sure he would have met- been hilarious.
9: Uh, magic Christian wow. and, of course, being in there. I love it. And then, being John, also, uh, 50 years ago today, um, the uh, sexiest song of the 70s, as far as I'm concerned, Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On.
2: That was that now. was released 50 years ago today?
9: Uh, number one. Number
2: one 50 years ago. Oh, my God. I, the, you, yeah. you, I, I knew that Star Trek premiered on this date in 66, and I knew Jay-Z released the Blueprint 3 in 2009. I did not know it was that anniversary.
4: Oh, yeah. Wow. we will we'll, we'll take that one.
9: <laughs> John, um, Ramaswamy, foot and mouth disease again today, I've just heard uh, Says he'll deport children of undocumented immigrants born in the U.S. Yeah. Well, hello, at 14th Amendment You know, it's yeah. just, uh, uh, swear to God The guy has no idea what the hell's going on just
2: No, but Trump trial. did the same thing Trump said he would ban birthright citizenship And it just shows they don't read the Constitution And they don't care that they haven't And more importantly, their supporters don't care So it's just it's appeal. Listen, what can Vivek do but 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 be a a man who's a child of immigrants who appeals to racists who hate immigrants? That's all he can do. That's what he's doing.
9: Uh, they got a new name, John Retrump re-trumplicans is what they are. Retrumpicans, yeah. and uh, they uh, they have no idea. All they is is about taxes, ca- tax cuts for rich, culture wars, and deregulations. You know, if that's what you want, you know that that's what you'll get. Because that's all, all all it is here in Ohio. It's just fear, racism, and religion. That's all. Yeah. That's all they can bank on. That's all they can fucking bank on. And, that's it, uh, man. I tell yeah, you mom. what, this vote we had in November, this, 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 the one we had in August for the uh, issue one, that, to me, that's a sign. That's a tide. and I swear to God, it's a tide, and then in November, it's going to turn. Uh, you know, and yeah. I got a feeling that the people, are, when we'll be heard, they, they're heard, and then we'll show it in November.
2: Mitch, from your lips, I love everything you just said, sir. Thank you, John. Enjoy. It. Thank you, thank you, uh, Natalia. Please tell us about Madagascar and what's going on. You told us a bit oh, about your plans, but what's what's happening yes. now? You're you're going, I'm, right?
8: I'm going. I'm going to Madagascar, and you're invited. So yeah, I'm. St- I've started hosting trips with a company called Trova Trip, and we're doing a trip to Madagascar where uh, you're going to see multiple lemur species. Going to Ranomafana Park National Park that has over 12 species of lemur, uh, uh, Anja, which has ring-tailed lemurs, and then lots of chameleons and wild insects. And it's the end of May next year uh, to the beginning of June. So if you have any interest, follow me on Instagram at natalia 13 reagan uh, The pre-sell link is available now. And the actual trip launches a week from today. And last, uh, my Galapagos trip sold out in 10 days. So, you know, if wow. you're interested you know, ASAP, cause it's gonna be a great time. I already had, uh, I, I, re- I, I was about to launch it and I actually took some time to add some more lemur stuff to it. And I already had three people signed up and they're amazing folks. My trip to Galapagos has, you know, one of the most amazing crews. So, uh, yeah, I just I think it's going to be a, a fantastic time of animal lovers and just,
2: you know, hilarious. So you're people. saying that pe- people who sign up get to go to Madagascar, they get to see wildlife and they get to meet you
8: and get to kick it with me.
2: Yeah. Dang, where do we kick go again? Out of people find out about uh, information I- about going?
8: You can go to my Instagram at Natalia13Reagan and the link in my bio will take you straight to, you know, uh information about signing up to be on the list. But if you're that interested and you like definitely wanna go, message me and I've got pre-sale links. So uh just definitely. let me know. And you there's an early bird price, I think it's twenty six seventy-five. That's the early bird price, and then it goes up to twenty-eight hundred, I believe. So you got get a little it bit of a discount.
2: sounds amazing. Natalia, thank you for joining us tonight. I'm so glad you got back from Burning Man Safe, and I'm so glad your stories are entertaining as they are lurid.